It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. It might not seem like I'm a very devotional person. Um, it just seems that way. Uh, you know, when I would spend time with Mr. Davis, um, you would just think I was just some guy hanging out with Mr. Davis. Um, when we would talk, he would just tell stories and usually about farm life and sometimes about what's going on at CSA or... You know, he would talk about investing and um, different cooking, all these different things. Um, and when I would go to him and, and meet with him, I didn't bow. I never called him Guruji. Um, I never had those kind of external forms of, of uh, expression. And um, you know, even in situations like this, I feel really weird bowing before uh, the pictures. Um, I've never done that. I do it now because I want to be appropriate to, to where we are, but it's not in my nature. But that doesn't mean in my mind or in my heart, like I don't have reverence for these individuals because I clearly do, or at least in my heart I clearly do. Um, so the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, one of the most important foundations for this path is devotion. And by that I mean honoring what we have, uh, having access to this kind of information and having access to people um, like Ellen Ishidas and Roy Davis who help to embody this, uh, this work, that puts you in a very different kind of state of consciousness. Um, some people have come to workshops, not so much these days, but back when I was a newbie, um, they would come to workshops and it was like they were just peppering me with all kinds of doubtful questions. And I would think to myself, why are you even here? I mean, like, I never went to Roy with all these questions, you know, prove this to me, prove that to me, why this, why that? And, um, and I never understood that. Um, but w when you come at it in that way, and I don't, I don't get that vibe from any of you, you're kind of coming at it in a way that isn't devotional, is kind of irreverent. There's no faith, there's no trust there. So in order to really ground yourself in this, find out how you can have devotion and faith. And if it means that you are more outwardly devotional, um, the way Ellen is outwardly devotional, or if you're um, more kinesthetically devotional, like bowing for pictures of, of teachers or... Um, uh, maybe chanting or things of that nature. If that works for you, do that. Do that. Um, if you are more internally devotional, meaning you respect, what, like you read a teacher's books and you think, this is great, I'm so glad I have access to this. That's devotion. When you're around a teacher and you're just kind of happy to be there because what are they going to say? Maybe they're going to say something, you know, that really helps me. And then there's that sense of joy and curiosity um, in that regard. 
that's devotion. So devotion doesn't have to look the same across the board. You know, even even Mr. Davis, he never really appeared devotional. But I can remember, um, what was it? It was it was one of the Kriya Yoga congresses, and uh, he was talking about Yogananda's passing. And here's Mr. Davis. I, I like voices today for some reason. Here's Mr. Davis. He's talking about Yogananda. When Yogananda passed, or when Yogananda was going to die, he said, um, people ask, who, who's going to replace Yogananda? And uh, Yogananda said, um, nothing can replace me. Only love can replace me. And when Roy said that, <laughs> he started crying. <laughs> and and you never, I've never seen Roy cry in my life. And he, he teared up, and all of a sudden, he's like, well, i got to get it together. <clears throat> and then he, he, he pulled it all together again, much like I did. And, uh, and so you knew that he was also devotional because he had that sense of connection to Yogananda and that sense of appreci- appreciation. So one of the best foundations, the reason this is important is because think about, think about when you've been with a loved one. All right. Like someone you actually really love, not someone you tolerate, um, not, not someone that you know, you've just been with for so long that you just can't imagine being without them. I mean, someone that you really, truly love. You would actually do anything for that person, right? <laughs> you would do anything for them. And you wouldn't be thinking to yourself, gee, I wish I wasn't doing this. You wouldn't be thinking to yourself, wow, this is a drag. I can't wait till this is over. No, you're there and they need help and you do it. And it's nothing. You just do it. So what happens is when when you really find that, that capacity for devotion, there is no why. You know, there is no why do I do this? There is no how do I do this? There is no what do you mean? There is I'll find a way. You understand what I'm saying? So whatever it takes for you to kind of find that capacity for devotion that's going to be the fire and that's going to be the energy and that's going to be the fuel that actually powers this whole thing and you know truthfulness is going to be the 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 added uh, gasoline additive with it <laughs> all those two things together are what's going to power this and then when you hit a difficult period you're not going to say why well, you know what's this kriya yoga all about anyway did i just get myself into some weird cult or something you're, you're going to say I'm in a difficult time period. How do I roll with it? You know, how do I, how do I continue doing what I'm doing? Um, you know, the difficult time I went through with uh, taking care of my wife, I still meditate every day, twice a day. And that was without any sleep. That was taking care of her 24-7. Why did I do that? Number one, because I cared for her. But number two, why did I continue with my spiritual practice? That's the point I'm getting at. Because I had 18 years of, of that of doing the work, of realizing why it was important, of having that devotion. So when the time came and I had to split my time between caring for a person that I deeply loved, who needed a lot of time and attention, and doing my spiritual path, I didn't say, well, it's one or the other. I did both. Because the devotion was there for both, right? So you always have to remember, whatever you are devoted to, there will never be a a why, there will never be a how, there will always be, I'll figure it out. And then you will continue, and it will remain self-sustaining. It will be self-fulfilling, even. Um, so of everything that you do with the techniques, studying the scriptures, you know, living in accord with the yamas and niyamas, 
um, attending lectures, participating in workshops, um, going to retreats, all these things. Um, that's, that's what's going to make all the difference. Um, otherwise, you'll just come and you'll go. You know, you'll, you'll be here one minute, you'll go away for a little bit, you'll come back, you might not ever come back. Um, and, and in my experience, you know, we're here to figure out what we are, right? What our eternal self is. That's why we are here. All the stuff that we do on the side, it's fun and it's interesting, but that's not why we are here. And uh, human consciousness has gotten so confused by all just being around um, that it's hard to appreciate and recognize the purpose of life. And for most people, they don't recognize it until they're just about to die. And that's a shame, <laughs> right? Because you could be spending your whole life figuring this stuff out um, and then not waiting until five minutes before it's time to check out. And like, oh, damn, I just wasted a whole bunch of time. All right, I guess I'll come back again. And then 70 years later, ah, it happened again. <laughs> and now it's 10 minutes earlier. And, you know, so you eventually, that's why you're here is right now to consciously get this under control. That way, as Mr. Davis would say, you recognize you are an immortal spiritual being. And then you actually have choice of how you're going to live your life. That's one thing he, he said, I always like this. He would ask, how are you living your immortal life? How are you living your immortal life? And the reason that's important is because, first of all, it's pointing out that you're, you are immortal, which means you can spend your life being a dumbass, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Next lifetime, here we go again. Next lifetime, here we go again. And you've just wasted 121 years or so being a dumbass. Right? Now, what if you recognize that your life is immortal and eternal, and you decide, well, if I'm immortal and eternal, then right now, I'm going to live in a way that is honoring that. In the Bhagavad Gita, in the beginning, um, Arjuna figures out uh, the immensity of the work that he has to do, spiritually speaking. And, you know, the, the beginning of the chapter is called The Despondency of Arjuna, because Krishna takes him into the field where the spiritual work happens, the spiritual practice happens, and Arjuna looks around and he says, this is too much. I can't do this. I don't have the strength to do this. And so he, he dramatizes being weak and faint, and he drops his bow, which represents like letting go of your meditation routine. He slumps to the ground, and he tells uh, Arjuna, or he tells Krishna, sorry, but I, I can't do it. You know, I don't, I don't care how great of a hero you think I am, but nope, we're not doing this. And then the beginning of the second chapter, Krishna says, get up. <laughs> he says, stand up, Arjuna. He says, to you of a noble birth, this is beneath you. And we can, we can interpret that as literally as Arjuna being noble, but we have to remember that's a metaphor, and Arjuna is representative of our soul. And to live weakly, to live like you're pathetic, and like you can't stand up and do what needs done, that's dishonoring the nobility of your soul. So that's like taking a king, and that king is just throwing away all of his power and all of his capacity to do good, um, when what is the king supposed to do? The king is supposed to stand up and do what needs done. So each of us are like Arjuna. Each of us are like that soul. And to, sh to pull away from our duty to live life as a dumbass, that is, 
that is insulting to what we are. Not in a judgmental, you know, you're going to hell kind of a way, not Christian, biblical, old school uh, type stuff. But it's insulting to who you are as a human being. And um, Sri Yukteswar talked about this in his commentary on the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. He says, you know, the human form, is, compared to the rest of the creatures in the world, is, is precious. Because it's the only form that has the capacity to be able to really perceive this stuff. We can act like animals are holy and they're in tune with spirit, and they are, but on an unconscious level. They're not conscious of it. They're not... They're not, they can't be awake, except for Lakshmi the cow. That was supposedly an awakened cow. Um, <clears throat> but uh, they, they, it is the human body with the human uh, chakra system and the, the frontal regions of the brain which has the capacity to comprehend this whole process, to comprehend what the purpose of this life is. And once you've gotten this body, you're supposed to practice yoga. Otherwise, as they say in, I'm not the only one that, that uses the term dumbass. In, uh, in, uh, in Vasista's yoga, uh, they say, uh, they say uh, everyone else is like a jackass. <laughs> you know, they're just led by carrots. They, they're, not living, they're not living as a human being. They're not living up to their full potential. So we have to, we have to shake ourselves out of this, um, this poor me attitude or this I can't do it attitude or I don't deserve it or I'm not worthy or... Uh, whatever your issue is, again, not to pump yourself up and think I'm fantastic, but to realize that you have a responsibility and you have royalty within you in this spiritual sense. And if you're going to live an immortal life, why not live it in the highest way? And that's what Yogananda said too. You know, if, you, if you've got to live, live life in the highest way. And so doing this, what we're discussing, meditating, doing our best to be truthful, trying to be content, um, trying to be harmless, uh, doing our best, that's, 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 that's it. And it doesn't matter whether we fail or succeed. The fact that we are doing it is perpetuating uh, the, way, the way we're supposed to manifest in this life, the, the royalty, the, the holiness of this life. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, and again, this doesn't mean that you have to act holier than thou. I mean, if you really want to know what I'm like in real life, talk to Jasmine. Okay, she will tell you exactly what. Or Robert back there, he knows me pretty well. <laughs> I take meditation very seriously. I take this study very seriously. So when I'm by myself, I'm all about it and I'm in it. But when I'm just doing stuff, you know, no one, no one knows. You know, that's. That's okay. So you can be yourself, and and you can have this internal devotion, this in, internal um, compass. And as long as you are doing that, then you are being truthful and you are being authentic to um, this work. Last thing, then we'll meditate a little bit. Um, <clears throat> your guiding principle should always be. Uh, does whatever I'm doing interfere with my spiritual path? Does whatever I'm doing interfere with my spiritual path? And this is how I this is how I live my life. Um, am I going like for example we we had lunch at uh, this restaurant and they had French onion soup. I love French onion soup. 
but onions tend to make me groggy and they don't allow me to meditate very well. I know that about myself. And I know that usually it's when I eat onions like later on in the day that that happens. So I had French onion soup for lunch. But if, if we would have been at dinner time or later at night, more than likely I wouldn't have eaten French onion soup because I know that that's going to get in my way of my ability to meditate and stay alert and awake. Now again, there's actually a scientific reason why this happens to me, but we're not going to get into that. Um, if someone invites me out to a late night, what do I think in my mind? Am I going to be able to wake up early tomorrow? And am I going to be able to get off my day and meditate and do my work? If the answer is no, I don't do that thing. If the answer is it doesn't matter, well, I might go do it. Um, when it comes to hanging out with certain individuals, I ask myself, am I going to get caught up in their drama? Um, is it going to throw me off for a few days? If the answer is yes, I don't go hang out with them. If the answer is no, so what? I'll go play some cards with them or do whatever. Um, so you have to figure out for yourself what gets in the way of your ability to meditate well. What gets in the way of your ability to be the best person you can be. Whatever those things are, get rid of them. Just like pruning a tree. You know, you, or or uh, a better example might be uh, uh, thinning out plants in your garden. You know, Robert, Robert and Jasmine and I were talking about this on the way up here because we all have gardens and, and we had this issue. When you plant a whole bunch of stuff and you see it coming up, you don't want to thin it out. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's going to grow a whole bunch of really awesome plants. But what usually happens when you don't thin out things in a garden? You just get a bunch of small, scraggly plants that don't do anything. So you got to pluck out some of those corn shoots so that they're spaced out long enough so that the corn actually grows. Um, so we have to do this for our life, and we, we do have to be sometimes ruthless with it. Because once we are able to do that, then we become clear in, in our priorities and what is important to us, and then the spiritual life becomes easy. What makes the spiritual life so hard is all your confusion about what is a priority and what isn't. If you can just choose, this is my priority, this is what I'm doing, then it's easy to say, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing this. Do any of you have a favorite TV show? Any of you have a favorite TV No one has a favorite TV show? Okay. Okay, well, I have one. But, um, do you remember when TV shows, like, you had to actually tune into them? Like, they weren't just on demand? You had to, like, turn it on at 6.30 in the evening on Tuesdays and watch it? Well, when you had your favorite TV show, when it was coming on, what happened if, if, if uh, your mom wanted to talk on the phone? I'll call you back, Mom. You know, what happened if something else was going on? I'll do that later. Well, that's a prime example of making a choice and setting your priorities. Now, if the purpose, you, if the reason you are here is to recognize the infinite spirit and God and have self-realization, if that is the real, ultimate release, reason, and it is possible, why would you not do things that make that a priority? And it's, that's an important thing, right? So that's my last bit. I really need to work on my ending, so I usually just quit. <laughs> but, but that is my last. Uh, I realized that last night at the, the, the talk. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> um, that, is, that is one of the most important things. Um, and if you, if you can take what we've discussed today, take it to heart, and just start living by it, I think you will find that this process becomes enjoyable, it becomes easy, your life becomes a little lighter, um, you have greater peace of mind, wisdom, you, you see things in the bigger picture, 
you're less disturbed by uh, the fluctuations in the world. Um, and then you also have a deeper sense of uh, confidence and faith in what life brings and what comes after life is over and just being your eternal self. So let's just meditate for a few minutes to conclude uh, this session. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.